Good morning, Kansas City. This is the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. You know what the best part of that clip was? Did you hear what A.J. Hawk said? <laughs> Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk to Brian Baldinger. How'd you, how'd you get that one, Jake? That was out of nowhere. I got connections. I had a, I had a spot to fill, and I filled it. NFL Network, Fox Sports, and Compass Media Network's football analyst. He does some great film breakdown. I watch. Hashtag Baldy's Breakdowns. There you go. Which one did you watch? Oh, I mean, I, I've watched throughout the season. Um, it's just his... Analyze, analyze, what's the word? Analyzing? Analysis. Analysis. That's the word. Thank you, Nate. You got it, buddy. Um, of the offensive line. I mean, I just remember like something that stuck out. It was the last week of the season when the Jaguars lost to the Titans and got eliminated from uh, playoffs. And they snuck uh, Trevor Lawrence on the fourth down. And he tried to jump over the pile. And it looked like he just got stuffed. But it was he, he actually... Broke it down and said he that this is this is not the play that was called. Look at the blocking schemes and this guy hit this gap and he was supposed to go under the right guard and he went over the top, you know. So when you're like, oh, what a terrible play call, like I did when I was watching the game, and then Trevor Lawrence went rogue and tried to jump over the pile instead of going with what the play call. Just an example. That first thing that came to my mind. Okay, we have uh, Brian Baldinger on at 7.30. And then in the 8 o'clock hour, Gary Dieter and Anthony Sherman will be in studio with us. And then Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star in studio in the 9 o'clock hour. So normally we have Adam Kaplan on at 7.30, but he's at the Senior Bowl. And so he's going to come on the show tomorrow. Working on a couple of things, and so we'll get the final schedule uh Solidified sometime, uh, sometime today, and we'll figure it out. But Adam Kaplan will be on the show at some time tomorrow with Stan Weber and Tim Grunhardt and uh, and others. And so we'll have that for you uh, on this. Uh, but of course, today Thursday, February first, the first day of February. So happy birthday to Todd Lebo! Welcome to February. It is his birthday, isn't it? Yeah. Should we call him? Happy birthday! I don't see why not. He's up. Yeah, sure he is. He usually listens or watches. Be the first ones to wish him a happy birthday. I think we just did. Yeah, but to his to his phone. <laughs> I was going to say to his face, but that's not. Call him. Have it ring on the air. I want to hear it. He doesn't give his phone number in his voicemail, does he? I don't think so. Yeah. We can leave him a message, too, if he doesn't answer. So, yeah, happy birthday, Ty Lebo. How about that? I'm glad January's over. What? Hello? Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. What are you doing? Not for a walk. 
Are you? Good for you, man. We're at. By the way, you're live on the radio. Yeah, I figured that. It was 6.07. Yeah, it'd be weird if I was calling you and well, I wasn't on the radio. It might not be the first time he got a call at 6.07. How far are you away from the uh, from the house? I just, just started walking about three minutes ago. So uh, how old are you today? 54. What are you going to do for your birthday special? Well, we kind of already celebrated all the birthdays last week. But we're going to probably go to dinner tonight. Where? Don't have to figure it out yet. Maybe a cheat day. Maybe something tasty. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Nothing else? You get any presents yet? No. Well, I got my presents last week. What was from it? My, from my brother. And, you know, I got some, like, you know, some shorts. Who gave you shorts? Uh, my mom and dad. Oh, that's and, nice. Uh, some joggers, you know, some sweat. Yeah. I uh, need some more clothes that fit me now, stuff like that. Okay. You know, when you're 54, you don't really need any presents. Yeah, you do. I got a present last night when K-State women lost to Norman. Oh, wow. had a rough go. He can't. Man. Oklahoma. They're number two in the country. This, is a, big, this is a big Oklahoma over K-State week yeah. for you. Man. Yeah. Another uh, octagon of, of boom. Right this is the Lloyd Noble Center of boom. Yeah. Probably dozens there of people in there. Well, there it is. It's big. And then my, I'm going to go uh, to Las Vegas to cover the Chiefs for my birthday. Oh, you're going out there, right? Yeah. But it's just uh, it's just press conferences. There's no open locker room. Yeah, today. Yeah, today it's just press conferences. Stuff. It takes me back to four years ago when I spent my birthday with you. That's the night you lost your hat. Oh, when, was, when was that? That's Fort Lauderdale, remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Lauderdale. Down We're in Lauderdale the, with all the folks. Oh, this is the anniversary of the, of the uh, pep rally? This is. the pep rally day. Oh, that's right. That yeah. was wild. Oh, boy. Where's that hat? I don't know. I lost that bucket hat. I haven't replaced yeah. it yet. There's pictures of it. I've lost a lot of hats in Chiefs functions. <laughs> that's all right, though. Oh, boy. All right, well, we wonder when you happy birthday. When are you going to come in here? I'll be in there before, you know, I'll be eight something. All right, man. So you're doing your walk-in? You're doing boot camp fitness today yeah, or whatever? Yeah. Doing it all. I don't have to have time for boot camp today because we got our big 9 o'clock meeting. So that's why I'm taking my walk this morning. Yeah, the big 9 o'clock meetings. Get those, get those steps in. and. Uh... There's three deer right there. Hello, deer. Yeah. Hey. What are they doing? Todd connecting with nature on his 54th birthday. Yeah, right there in the backyard of someone's house in the neighborhood. You guys don't belong here. You don't be peeking in people's windows, dude. I'm not doing that. I'm walking. Peeping right. Todd. Peeping Todd. Happy now. <laughs> so help me, Todd. Happy birthday, Todd. Happy birthday, Bye, boys. Finish your I'll walk. I'll see you later. That's right. Bye. Now he's walking. So, who did you, uh, in the, in the, when we had Mike Scott picks, you picked Arkansas over Missouri, didn't you? I did. You know, I've got to get over this thing. I have this rule that I don't ever bet against my teams, even if the writing's on the wall. Right. And it, it, that uh, that line yesterday was, was so shocking Whack. to me Yeah. that a winless SEC team like Mizzou that just is not playing well at all, obviously, but they're just, you know, I don't feel like they're, like, on the verge of breaking through. Um they shouldn't be. I don't. I mean, they shouldn't be six and a half point favorites over any 
SEC team. I don't care where it's played. Yeah. I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't believe that. And so I, I looked at it, I go, you know, if I was smart, I'd, I'd lay down some money on this one. Because if Mizzou wins, they're going to win by the by the skin of their teeth. It's going to win by two or three points. And that they ain't, they're not beating anyone by seven. And I didn't do it because I stick to my rule. And never, I mean, not that I ever would now, but, you know, never bet against the Chiefs, never bet against Mizzou, never bet against the fighters that I love. I'm just not going to do it because I don't, you know. Yeah. You don't want to be rooting against yeah, your team. right. I don't, I don't do that. And then uh, Arkansas was up 47-28 at halftime over Mizzou. So I immediately regretted that. Yeah. Although Mizzou did explode for a 56-point second half. There you go. And they still lost by seven. So. Now, if Arkansas would have been favored by six and a half, they covered. They won by seven, but Mizzou was favored by six and a half. They were getting the points. Right. Mm. Unnecessary. They did not need those points. It was, uh, at times, an embarrassing defensive performance by Missouri. I'm just going to talk about it much more. I just thought that was interesting. We were making the picks yesterday, and I was just, I couldn't, I just, I thought it was a typo. I couldn't believe Mizzou was favored. By six and a half, and there you go. But now they're really going to put things to the test. Because now, I mean, this is it. You thought that they'd have a decent chance against Arkansas considering the game was in Columbia. And they did not. And now Arkansas has two conference wins. Saturday could be something special. Because Mizzou gets to butt heads with Vanderbilt. And it's at Vandy. And right now, Mizzou is 0-8 in the SEC, and Vandy's 0-7. So somebody's O has got to go. <laughs> somebody's O's got to go. Someone's got to win that game. And that's kind of crazy to think. The two programs that have had some, some history of really good success in basketball being that What's down that? right now. Vanderbilt, Missouri. Well, it has been know. a minute since Vanderbilt's done anything. Yeah, but they, they've got history anyway. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Missouri's got some good history, too. Well, know. I mean, they were in the tournament last year. Yeah. yeah. Nobody saw this. Uh, I mean, I think people saw a step back coming, but nobody saw this coming. Um, yeah, and after that, honestly, I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know where the win comes from. You got home against A&M, home against Mississippi State at Ole Miss, home against Tennessee at Arkansas at Florida, home against Ole Miss, home against Auburn at LSU. I mean, I don't know how you can predict to win any of those games. I mean, everyone else besides Arkansas and Vandy has at least three conference wins. So they're going to be underdogs in every game. I mean, you know. Yeah. What'd you say, Nate? Two teams have had good, good what success? His, they've got some history of success. Good success. Oh. Congratulations. Continue good sex in the good sex in the Big East. <laughs> that's a clear, oh, we missed some of these drops. Those are, that's a drop we haven't heard in a long time on the show. Good success. <laughs> Good sex, good 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 sex in the Big East. That was that was your buddy Jim Spinarkle. <laughs> Sparnacle. <laughs> Whatever happened to him? It's a good question. Is he still around? 
Well, hopefully he's having some fun in the Big East, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he tries to correct himself. <laughs> well, that's a heck of a game, Mizzou and Bandy. Is it? Somebody's always got to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you would think. So, uh, yeah. If you were thinking that perhaps Mizzou could get the first conference win, no. No shot. No shot last night. That game was over at halftime. At least they didn't make you wait around. I don't I don't get it, man. It's as quickly as Dennis Case made Mizzou fans fall in love with them. And there are the message boards are getting ugly. There are people diving headfirst off the bandwagon. I mean it's this is quite a step back. Yeah, it's it's Shocking. Yeah. Well, supposedly the best player they got in the transfer portal, uh, Tanji, hasn't you know, only played a handful of games and hasn't been able to didn't make an impact. Caleb Grill, he hasn't played because he had surgery, and then he whiffed on a few others. I mean, whiffed. Um, and you know, Nick Honor's taking a step back. Noah Carter's taking a step back. The one guy that he nailed was, I mean, Tamar Bates. I mean, he had the 29 last night, but it's him. And it's been disappointing. Aiden Shaw hasn't taken a step forward, especially offensively. Um, I mean, you know what? But as much as you praise Dennis Gates for what he did last year, he's got, he's got to wear this. Now, the one, I guess, silver lining is they have a tremendous recruiting class next year. But, <laughs> I mean... You're walking into next year with a lot of pressure on you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, can you imagine if they don't win a conference game? I mean, having a mediocre year compared to just a terrible year this year, I mean, that makes all the difference in the world for next year. I mean, that's – you don't have very much leeway at all. Yeah, the, the mediocre year is out the window. Right. This is a – this is, I mean, this is a – this is a Kim Anderson type year. Hmm. Yeah. Look at some of the losses. Yeah, the I'm, not, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not making that noise to disagree. Look at, look at, the, look at their schedule. Yeah. Look at. No, I get it. It is. That's just. That's. It's a hard frame. Yeah. But that's accurate. I mean, look at some of the teams they've lost. I mean, just the knockdown was terrible, right? Mm-hmm. Jeff Goodman had a. Uh, by the way, Jeff Goodman's posting apology. Videos that aren't really apologies. Well, what the hell's going on with Jeff Goodman? I don't know what happened. I, I, that's a weird deal. I, <laughs> I don't know. He tweeted last night. Missouri's Dennis Gates was one of the surprises in his first season a year ago. The Tigers are now eight and thirteen overall and zero and eight in SEC play, after a home loss to an Arkansas team that has been a complete disaster. Will be interesting to see. If Missouri is more like year one or two under Gates moving forward. How about that? I mean, it's uh, what have you done for me lately type world. (laughs) But you got to give him a little bit of time. I don't know how much. Obviously more than this year, I feel like. Right, but just look how much it's, it's the perception's changed. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, 
I mean, it's on a it's on a totally different totally different level. It's not nearly the same level, but you know, seeing some people grumbling at, at uh, Jerome Tang all of a sudden, you know, they're they're about what? Well, just the. Well, I've seen some people grumbling, you know, that they're they're losing some games, and he's getting into it with coaches on the other team. He's griping about refs and stuff like that. I've seen some people saying that, you know, just, and look, I still like Jerome Tang a lot. I think he's, um, I think he's doing a heck of a job for everything that's happened this year. But um, just pointing out, like, you know, you have all your success, and then as soon as you you stumble a little bit, lose some games, people, some people start. That's a big stumble, though, for you know Gates. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, different, totally you know different mean? level than, than Tang. I mean, I'm not trying to compare the two. Um, it's aren't you? No. Have you really heard rumblings? I mean, is this from your I'm just, I've just seen like, some people posting things on Twitter and stuff like that. That's all. I, I don't. Well, like I, I can't imagine it's very loud. I would assume he's still incredibly popular in Manhattan. Yeah, that's what I thought, but I don't know. Last night doesn't help Dennis Gates, let me tell you that. No. He had to apologize to the... uh, When you're apologizing to the crowd, to the fans for the performance, do you think that's good? No. Why not? No. Do you you think it's a good move to apologize? I don't know if it's a... I don't know if it's a good or bad move. I... I don't think anything... Whatever you do, what really the move that matters is what happens during the game. You know, well, you want to try to take away some attention from that, I think. Yeah, I just sent you a clip, Jake, of uh, Dennis Gates last night. Let's hear what. Let's hear what Dennis Gates. And you're right. Listen, there's nothing that he could say in the press conference that can make that any better. No, nothing. Everything that he says is going to be picked apart. Yep, because. They were uh, they got embarrassed last night. This is Dennis Gates after the game. We have to be participants in our own rescue. The referees aren't going to bail us out, and no one is going to feel sorry for us or have empathy because we hadn't won a conference game. We got to go out there and put forty minutes of basketball together consistently. Some nights we may hit ten threes. Other nights we may hit two. Some nights we get to the line. Some nights we don't. Sometimes we get positive assist turnover ratio. It's just the inconsistencies that is happening. We don't know going into the game, back to your question, what stats we can really count on and what the part. That's our take full responsibility as a head coach. Uh, We cannot uh, come out that flat regardless of what I have to do uh, as a leader of this team. I have to do it. Uh, Home game uh, in front of a great crowd. And I thank our crowd for coming out. Uh, And I definitely apologize for our performance. We can. Yeah, I mean. Can't I mean why are why are they going out flat? Yeah, that that's. Uh, and the defensive effort was miserable. Well, it, you know it's it's a bad sign when you have a team that you finally have a game that seems like a winnable game on your schedule. A team that's been a train wreck, and you come out flat. You know that is that is a bad sign. Um, that that reminds me of the Kansas football teams that that. 
that I watched for a decade before Lance Leipold came to town, you know, they'd every once in a while they'd play a close game against a good team. Usually that was because the good team was asleep at the wheel for the first half or whatever. But then, you know, you'd see a game on the schedule like, hey, maybe this is a chance to to get a win, and they just come out and get their doors blown off in the first quarter. Um, and I guess that's part of it when you're when you're the team that's 0-8 and the other team sees you on the schedule, like when Arkansas sees you on the schedule, they're like, here we go. This is our chance to get All right, and, you know? they, and they played like it. Yeah, yeah. So let's see how they come out against Vandy. Vandy might think, oh, good, Missouri's going to town. We're going to win. Right. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll listen to some sound from around the NFL about the Chiefs uh, and some other topics uh, because I don't want to talk about college basketball anymore. Okay, I choose my own adventure. And I choose uh, page 32, which means NFL. (laughs) And I'm leaving this behind. Thank you. Back after this on WHP. All right, let's listen to a couple of clips. From around the NFL, here, one of the best linebackers that I ever watched play, Luke Keekley, was on with Kay Adams, and he was asked, how do you stop Travis Kelsey? Well, I think the thing with Travis, you know, you, you, you try to study as much as you can. You try to anticipate routes. He doesn't run... He runs normal routes. He runs fades like he just ran that that touchdown, that back shoulder ball he caught against Baltimore. But nothing he does is truly on script. So he can come up. He can find a window. He can move out of a window. He has the freedom to kind of find space and sit down. And what we always talk about with guys like that is, is you have to keep your eyes on Travis. You can't take your eyes off of off of him and put him on Mahomes. If he comes out of a break, you think it's a typical out route, you put your eyes back to the quarterback, then you lose sight of Kelsey. And once you lose sight of him, Mahomes knows that. Kelsey knows that. Now he's going to pivot and get open. So when you play guys like that that are so have such a good ability to kind of just go off the cuff, you got to have your eyes on him. you got to pin hips. you got to stay attached. And then when the ball is in the air, the one tell that guys like him have is, is his eyes. His eyes are always going to tell you when he's tracking the ball. The good guys, you can't read hands because they're going to wait to the last second, throw your hands up. But with Kelsey, if you can stay attached, you can keep your eyes on him, you can read his eyes. When his eyes begin to focus is when you can play through his hands. And it sounds super easy, but there's a reason that he's Travis Kelsey. That's pretty good analysis from Luke Keekley, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's... uh... I was listening to Kelsey talk about that um the catch in the corner of the end zone and have you know on his podcast talking about having late hands. You can't give away to your to the guy guarding you when when you're gonna when you're actually gonna make the catch. You have to have late hands. He had, he has a great knack for that. That was interesting. Him talking about it coming out of the suites. Like the ball, the like yeah. he, he didn't see it till the last second. Yeah. It's like it came out of the sweets. It's just there. Uh, here is uh, former Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith, who was on Adam Schefter's podcast. And he says that Brett Veach and Andy Reid both had Patrick Mahomes on the radar long before most people realized. I think Patrick had just finished his freshman year at Texas Tech. And I can remember Veach coming in, and he was – Fred Veach, who is now, for everybody out there, he is the GM of the Chiefs. He's a you know, huge responsibility for taking Patrick and moving up. He was in love with Patrick after his freshman year. 
I remember him coming in. We all, it was a great relationship there. He came in the QB room. He's like, you guys got to see this guy. Like, da, da, da. like, cause we would always talk ball, you know, talk college football and different stuff. And he had his eyes on him for a long time. I'll say that. And so did Andy. With the 10th pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select Patrick Mahomes, the second quarterback, Texas Tech. That's got to be... He always handled it the right way, but that's that had to be just a just a smidge uncomfortable. <laughs> hey, what? look at this guy. He's can you believe? Awesome. Look at this guy that I ultimately would like to replace you. <laughs> and then you look at him, and he's like, "Well, he can do some things I can't do." I mean, look at this. <laughs> Did you look at this guy? I mean, you know, unbridled enthusiasm. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to get my hands on this guy. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> okay. Oh, man, yeah, listening to that. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Dude, but thinking about that, like, we, we've spent a lot of time talking, rightfully so, about how, how good of a job Veach has done at so many different positions, right? Like the, the defensive back room and Veach. all that. If you got all that crap wrong, being on Patrick Mahomes since his freshman year and making sure they got him, like you, you coast on that decision for the rest of your career. You know, like we, like we've talked before about how many how many millionaire coaches owe all of their money to being you know, to Tom Brady. Like if you get to coach Tom, if you get to coach Tom Brady for a few years, you can just parlay that into a head coaching job somewhere and make a bunch of money. Well, Brett Veach deserves to make money for the rest of his life off of that pick. <laughs> like, who, who are you talking about there, Nate? I mean, what are you, you going to do? What, really, what are you going to do? Make a lot of money. Make a lot of money to not work. Here's an old favorite we always like to hear from, Rich Gannon. He was on uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio, and here he's talking about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense. They're built a little, a little bit differently, I think, when you look at their personnel and offense. I mean, they don't have that dominant number one receiver. I think Rasheed Rice has come on here, certainly in the second half of the season. I think there's been some inconsistency across the board with the wide receiver position. I think Andy uh, does a great job game planning, and I think you know, I think when you look at how they do it each week, sometimes it's different. Sometimes the focus is is on uh, you know a different wide receiver. Um, I think when you look at how they're doing it, it's a it's a it's the collection. Of the parts, you know, it's the tight end position. You look at Kelsey. You look at the running backs and how they're involved in the passing game, particularly the screen game. You look at uh, Pacheco and uh, Edwards Hilaire, and you look at um, you know Noah Gray and Justin Watson. It's, it's it's different players contributing. It may not be eight or ten catches, but it's four or five. It's three. It's two big ones. Uh, in the case of Marquez Valdez Scantling, you know, had the, excuse me, had the big catch at the end of the game, but. You know, I think it's uh, it's a, a selfish, a selfless group. You know, they go out there and they just play hard. Uh, they compete, uh, and it's it's been a process. And uh, you know, when you got a quarterback that's deadly accurate, like Patrick Mahomes, whether he's in a clean pocket, whether he has to get outside the pocket, his ability to extend plays uh, makes them so dangerous. Former Chiefs quarterback Rich Gannon. It's good to hear from former Chiefs quarterbacks who are really good. Talking about Patrick Mahomes, who's the best. Right. Let's hear from uh, Peter King. All this, 
there have been some people that have chosen to speculate about Andy Reid's future, which uh, seemed entirely baseless, but whatever. Here, Peter King uh, talks about uh, Andy Reid's future. I don't think he's going to retire, win or lose. I can't, I wouldn't uh, make book on that or whatever the right. Uh, I've been around Andy Reid a few times this year, and I've been around his team. Uh, I don't think he's ready to walk away. And I have heard all the rumors. I'm not sure whether they are founded or unfounded. I just believe, based on people I talk to and what I've witnessed, that Andy Reid is not going to retire. It seems like a lot of it comes from Mike Florio and Pro Football Talk making things up to get clicks. That's what it seems like. It seems like Mike Florio was a special source. Yeah, it seems like Mike Florio just wants it to happen. Probably. You know. I don't think Andy Reid's going anywhere. He's going to the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, he's going to the Super Bowl for sure. And I think if he sticks around, he'll go to more. And I think he knows that. Let's take a break. Back after this on Sports Radio 810 WHP. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHP. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Here's a couple of other clips dealing with the San Francisco 49ers and their quarterback, Brock Purdy. Here's uh, Dan Graziano from ESPN, NFL Insider. Uh, And here he talks about uh, how the 49ers view Brock Purdy as a, a clear upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. They trust Brock Purdy to do more things than they ever trusted Jimmy Garoppolo to do. Their passing game is more complex than it ever was under Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And yes, he's got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, and that's awesome. But the fact of the matter is, like, they believe he has the ability to do more. They believe he anticipates throws uh, differently and mm. better than Jimmy Garoppolo ever did. So there is a difference. It's not just plug and play. And here's Eli Manning, two-time Super Bowl champ, uh, who says that Brock Purdy won't be rattled by playing in the Super Bowl. The moment's not too big for him. Uh, you know, it's not going to be like, oh, my God, I'm in a Super Bowl. Like, I'm nervous or I'm going to try to do more. It's just, hey, let, let the moments come to you. You never want to say it. it's just another football game because that's so cliche. And, and, like, it's not. But you, you kind of want to have that feeling of, hey, I'm going to go play my game. I'm going to trust my teammates. I'm going to, you know, throw it to Kittle. I'm going to hand it off. I'm going to wear my cowboy boots and my, you know, uh, whitewashed jeans. And, and, like, let's go win a football game. Let's go. See, I don't, I mean, I don't know that you could say that until I was gonna say. he actually goes out there and, and shows that I think I the Super Bowl won't that. get to him. You know what I mean? I think it possibly could be too big for him. Right. right. We'll find out. He's, he's, he's like a teabag. You know, you know. In the words of Gary Pinkle, we're, you don't know until you put him in hot water. He, this isn't this is hotter water than he's ever been put in before, for sure. The stage is is different in the Super Bowl. There's nothing like it. You don't you don't know how anybody's going to react until they get in the moment. We know with Mahomes because we've seen it three times already. Right. I mean, that's a decided advantage. The experience factor and the experience in the Super Bowl. Big time. I think the the turnovers that Purdy, you know, had in that Ravens game are are 
a little bit of a concern if you're a 49ers fan. You know, that that's that's a big moment. That was a big moment, right? Yeah, and he was the only quarterback all year long to throw four interceptions in, in the first half. Four of them. It's a lot. He's going up against a really good defense in the Chiefs on a really big stage. He went up against a really good defense in the Ravens on a really big stage. But that stage wasn't nearly as big as this one. No. I so mean, we don't know. I mean, look, he he's seems like two home playoff games so far. Seems like a guy with a lot of moxie and, this year. and, and all that. I, I respect Brock Purdy. I do. We don't know how he's going to react till he's in that moment. You know what's crazy? San Francisco was still able to overcome the disaster that was the Trey Lance trade and still find a quarterback that they feel is an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo through some through some luck. You know, they thought it was Trey Lance. Yep. And now nobody I mean and, and because they made it back to the Super Bowl, nobody talks about that because that's one of the worst trades in NFL history. It's brutal. It's a great point. It was a disaster. Absolutely. And they overcame it. Just think if they didn't give up all that draft capital for uh, for Trey Lance, how much better they could be. Not that, you know, look, they're already really, really good, right? Yeah. But, I mean, good God. Well, and, and, they, and they still found their quarterback of the future. It's crazy. Like listening to that story that Alex Smith told about how Veach was on Mahomes after his freshman year. And it makes it seem like this isn't just a crapshoot. If you really know how to evaluate talent like Brett Veach does, you can you can spot the great quarterback. But gosh, there are so many other examples of it seeming like a crapshoot. <laughs> you know, like if anybody had any idea Tom Brady was going to be near as good as he was, he wouldn't. they wouldn't have passed on him five times. If anybody had any idea that Brock Purdy would be this good, he wouldn't have been Mr. Irrelevant. Obviously, those guys, I like they don't have the physical tools that Mahomes has. That stuff jumps out the page a little bit. But, but being quarterback is so much more than your physical ability. So much more. And I think that Brock Purdy's athleticism gets undersold a little bit. He's a better athlete than people want to admit. But he's not Mahomes. Like Mahomes can do things physically you've never seen before. But the thing about Mahomes is he can do things you've never seen before, but he also has it all upstairs. You know, the mental part of it, the ability to process defenses, all the things that, you know, these really good quarterbacks can do, being a good leader. And uh, those are the parts, I think, that are usually really hard to identify. They traded three first-round picks and a third-round pick. Do you know what that first pick turned into? Michael Parsons. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm glad the Chiefs don't have to block him. Yeah. And, I mean, they don't take any heat for that now because they got Brock yeah. Purdy and gives back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. But that's wild. It is. You know. And that also shows how good the supporting cast is. Yeah. Because now they've this this I mean at least this nucleus has made it to two Super Bowls with two different quarterbacks. I think the fate will be the same, but I think they'll you know they'll end up after the Super Bowl in in the the same the same boat. Like our our guys is not good enough. 
to be the Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you know, I mean, hey, look, there, there was there was a a long touchdown pass that was there to be made by Jimmy Garoppolo, and he didn't make he didn't make the throw in the, late in the fourth quarter. Would that have won the game? No, but it would have given them a chance to win the game. But he didn't make the play. And Mahomes wasn't making every play up until crunch time. But then down the stretch, he made every throw he had to make. And that's the difference. Yeah. That was the difference between Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. You know, just Mahomes is going to make those plays. 14-3 and three in the playoffs. It's it's crazy. I'm looking at, at Purdy's numbers this year next to Mahomes, and they're they're right next to each other um, in terms of yards. Um, and it just goes to show you, obviously, a lot of this, almost all of this is about supporting cast. But, like, Purdy had better numbers than Mahomes this year, you know? That's great. He had higher completion percentage, more yards, more yards per attempt, more touchdowns, fewer interceptions. Um. And that goes to show you how good the supporting cast is for the 49ers. How do those uh, playoff Who, numbers look? Who's the best defense that he played? What defense could I mean? The Ravens. Okay, because it, it could be the it's going to be the Chiefs now. Yeah. How did he do against the Ravens? Well, he threw four picks in the yeah. first half. Yeah, and the playoffs. Uh, well, got to go by yards per game because Mahomes played one more game. Let's see here. Purdy's actually thrown for more yards per game. He's got two touchdowns, one pick. Mahomes has four touchdowns and no picks. I'll take that. Yep. I'll take the no picks. Yeah, that's – dude, that's the thing. Mahomes doesn't – I mean, he hasn't – No. What? He's knocking on wood. You know, he just doesn't – he doesn't throw picks in the postseason, it seems like. Six straight games. He, he did against the 49ers in the Super Bowl, but he became the MVP of that game, by the way. So – I, I I don't know how good Brock Purdy is. I know he's, he's pretty good. Pretty good. He's pretty good. Maybe he'll be. Maybe he will go on to be one of those guys where we everyone has to accept the fact that he actually is really really good, and everybody just missed on it. Maybe he'll grow into that type of quarterback too as time goes on. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. No, I mean it was that was Tom Brady. That's Kurt Warner. Undrafted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tom Brady, the first Super Bowl, it's like, well, he managed it. You know, he managed his way to them winning. But then there's also, like, is how much of it is – I mean, look, look, Patrick Mahomes started off in a great situation, right? Like here, his, his, he had a great offense with great weapons all around him and a great coach. That's what Purdy has, right? Really good coach offensively, great weapons all around him. Okay, this year you tell me if well, I don't know what you what you I'll, I'll run through opponents. You tell me if you think they're good defenses or okay, the lead defenses, whatever. Uh, at Pittsburgh, yeah, I think Pittsburgh's a good defense. Nineteen to twenty nine, two twenty two touchdowns, no picks, and a fumble lost. At the Rams. Okay. They're middle of the yeah, road. I'm not, mid, you know. mid defense? Giants, no. 
Arizona, no. Dallas, in retrospect, was 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 Dallas. I mean, he put up shocking numbers against Dallas, but and every time I watch Dallas, they God, this team's overrated. I mean, their performance in the postseason certainly backs up that narrative, and they didn't really beat very many good teams in the regular season, no. if any. He went seventeen to twenty four for two fifty two and four touchdowns. Okay, at Cleveland, that's a good deal. Yeah, yeah, twelve of twenty seven. For 125 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Not a great day. At Minnesota, mm. 21 to 30, one touchdown, two interceptions. Cincinnati? No. No, they have a bad defense. 22 to 31, one touchdown, two interceptions. And a fumble lost, so three turnovers. At Jacksonville, he was good. Tampa, he was good. Like, I don't know, like, uh, n- none of those defenses. I mean, I guess Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. They might. I mean, they're top three or four defenses in the league, I think. And they that's when they went that stretch. They lost to Cleveland, lost to Minnesota, lost to Cincinnati. Um, Baltimore. By the way, that stretch, he didn't have Debo, correct? Um. Glad you look it up. No, I mean I'm I'm I say that with confidence. Um Baltimore, eighteen to thirty two, no touchdowns, four interceptions. Yeah, that that game to me is a big red flag. It needs it needs to be and so is the Cleveland game. It needs to be recognized that, m- that maybe none of these defenses are as good as the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs are the only team, again, I'll, I'll keep saying it, they're the only team that hasn't given up 30 points this year. Look at what they've done in the playoffs. The only team to give up fewer yards than the Chiefs all year was Cleveland. The only team that gave up fewer points all year were the Ravens. So you can make the case that the Chiefs, when you combine yards and points, best defense in the NFL. And both those teams are home watching. Yep. So... I do put a, a, a bigger emphasis on what you do in the playoffs in the postseason. Hell yeah! So, Cleveland didn't you know jump out to me as a great defense against Houston, right? You know, Baltimore. Hey, you know what though? Baltimore's defense played well enough yeah. against the Chiefs in the in championship the game. Half, anyway, well, they they would have signed up for seventeen. Yeah, you know. I mean, how many straight punts did they give up? They shut out the Chiefs in the second half. Yeah, that was, that was a good, that was a winning performance, but they were outplayed by a better defense. So, I mean, Baltimore's defense wasn't a fluke. They just got did, you know. So yeah, that I mean, if if the Arizona defense shows up to play against Brock Purdy, then you know somehow the Chiefs are in trouble. But since it's not, I think the Chiefs are good. Back after this on WHB.